Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. Welcome once more to Reckless Attack, a fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. I am, as always, your GM, Nathan. And I said, I think all of that in one breath, including (laughs) this. And now I'm struggling. Yeah, oh, no. (laughs) Hello. Uh, Thank you once again, uh, dear listeners, for joining us, joining myself, as well as, of course, joining the excellent players I am surrounded around this table by, starting with the individual on my right. Hi, everyone. My name is Steve, and I am playing Selve Asterlin, the Dragonborn monk who is excited to get going for the next book that we have to go collect so that we can get the heck out of the restricted section <laughs> of the library. Are you not having a nice time? There's, there's, it's not that I'm not having a nice time. It's just that this seems to be kind of a dangerous place, and I'm beginning to understand why it's been restricted. Yep. Yeah, fair. Okay. And to my right. Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I play Kaskrin Brightmane, the Dwarven Warlock, who is really enjoying this short rest that we're currently in. <laughs> Boy, Very appreciative yeah, of it. Yeah, as someone who gets a lot of stuff back on a short rest, <laughs> it's pretty okay, actually. Pretty neat. And to my right. Hi, everyone. I'm Jonathan, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid, and a Cersei Frog Pals, Mango, and Junior. And Checkers is strongly considering whether or not to ever touch a book again in his life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the yeah. darkest, the darkest of outcomes. Yep. His yep. rejection, anti-intellectualism. <laughs> yeah, right. May never step foot into the library again. I think he's just done with reading and writing in general. Giving up the writing was going so well. I know, I know. But things have really taken a turn for the worse here <laughs> in the restricted section, and he's just contemplating that. And to my right. Hi, everyone. I'm Sophie. And I will be playing Valeska Carter, the human astro cleric of the Arcana domain. And Val has spent this short rest throwing crumpled up pieces of paper at her friends to make sure they know that she loves them and would never betray them. (laughs) And plans to leave her new book in a barrel because, man, does she not want to upset her friends further. (laughs) But and it is I'm, a cool book, though. It is Have you considered it's a really cool neat. book? Yeah. It really is cool. a really cool book, but Val likes her friends a lot. Uncharacteristically for her, she's probably realizing some things. She likes her friends more than books? Whoa. Um, well, let's what? not. Okay. <laughs> I feel like maybe that's coming from an activated place, you know, like you're in a crisis situation. <laughs> and so I'm sure if you really, you know, once you move past and through it, you'll really be able to reflect and really make sure that you mean that because that's I feel like that's the Libra Morte talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? No. No. no I'm I'm waiting for the uh hey Val, you know, I could help you get that book just from the Libra Morte in the back of your mind. Just getting another book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right everyone. We are still in the restricted section of the Agmar library and things are Uh, complicated at the moment. (laughs) The party has successfully gotten two of the five books that they were sent on, the two vital, important books that had to be done for Lorana Moonglove to help you guys out. But most recently, you got the Libra Morte, who was really pretty interested in uh, finding someone cool and powerful and just like a cool, like like a neat, smart, cool person to <laughs> hang out with. And and what it got was Val. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the party has been concerned about Val attuning to a book whose motives and mechanical alignment are unclear. But over the course, as David said, of the kind of the short rest, everyone has kind of gone off to their various corners of the empty void of Titanius. Maybe there's a little bit of chatter. Titanius kind of breaking in here and there, checking in, but I'm kind of imagining that it's been about an hour. All of you are feeling a little bit better in terms of your physical and arcane needs. Mm -hmm. Maybe you are feeling better 
interpersonally. Maybe you're not. Maybe you are waiting to see if everyone else feels okay before you decide how okay you feel. Each of you, kind of unconsciously, maybe, start to break out of whatever trance, period of reflection, period of mad scribblings in journals, realizing, okay, it's been about an hour. We should probably get moving. And each of you kind of independently, your in your adventurer sense breaks you out <laughs> of that. But what does the omniscient eye of the audience see in each of your characters? Where are you sitting? What's kind of your body language? And what's your overall just kind of vibe? I'm imagining the camera kind of swooping into this empty white void. Titanius is... You can see him already kind of flicking through his weird little magical Rolodex, searching for what he knows your next probably target or targets are going to be. And the four of you are seated or leaning or reclined or whatever. I think Casquin has actually been feeling a lot better as the hour has worn on. And I think that is in part because I'm imagining both Valeska and Kaskrin have these piles of crumpled paper next to them as they've just been like throwing messages back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> like Kaskrin got the first message of like, here's why I'm mm -hmm. a good human being still. And Kaskrin is like kind of throwing the messages back with like his own little scribbles on it. Over the hour, you know, there's been like some, some chuckles and really for Kaskrin reaffirming he chose to trust Val back in the Libra Morte's room. And even before that, you know, he chose to trust Val during the fight with the Shepherd and everything that happened during that. And even though there is a small amount of doubt, he's choosing to trust Val still. And so he's just like, you know, kind of got like his one final message that he's written or that uh, he's received from Val and then folds it up, puts it in his pocket, and then kind of gets up from the short rest. So Selv is sitting uh, cross-legged and is just kind of meditating and relaxing and going over in his mind just a bit of the conversation that Checkers and Selv had of how to determine if anything has actually happened to Val because she took possession of the Libra Morte. Selv absolutely believes what he told Checkers, that if it's still the same Val acting the same way and doing the same things, then, at least for the time being, the book has no control, no sway over her. But that doesn't mean to not keep an eye out. Selv is kind of trying to, to center himself and remain calm and take in whatever this next action is going to be for, for whatever book or books we're going after next. So the camera zooms in on Checkers and Mango, and Checkers is just sitting there absent-mindedly giving Mango belly rubs. But Checkers is sitting there thinking, looking between the barrel of water with the Libra Morte and towards Valeska. And really the words that Selv has said are just echoing in, in his mind. If Val is still the person that Checkers knows that she is, then everything's fine. So he's trying to balance that with this fear that Val has somehow gone somewhere and that the book has taken over. But for right now, he's willing to let things just sit. And he's looking at Titania's kind of flip through this uh, Rolodex, eager to see what comes out of it. At the end of the short rest, you'll see Val collecting all the crumpled bits of paper, folding maybe one more piece of parchment to zoom over at Checker's direction, as I assume there's just mm -hmm. piles of them littered, <laughs> littered all over the ground. And she finishes kind of writing like a debrief in her notebook of what's happened and 
the time between writing notes to her friends. She apologized to Selv as she definitely interrupted his calming, centering meditation with a like a weirdly well-placed for Val throw to the head. <laughs> she wasn't aiming for his head, but that's... Couldn't replicate it no. in a million years, mm-hmm. in a million throws. She'll kind of tidy everything up, make sure everything's back in place. She'll look to the water barrel, but will make no move to retrieve the Libra Morte, valuing the tense peace that the group has come to in this hour and will slowly walk over to Titanius and wait for the group to join her. As you guys come back together and gather around Titanius's desk, he tries very hard to just kind of, ooh, ooh, notice you. Oh, oh, you guys are all together ready to uh ready to go feeling rested feeling better he asks pointedly i think the short rest was exactly what we needed but i do want to do a time check (laughs) ah oh yes yes uh so i uh i was doing a couple things uh it was pretty quiet in here so um right now you guys had kind of a loose Loose estimate of, I think, like four or five-ish hours. Yeah, if we can get all this wrapped up in four hours, I think that will be ideal. Well, I have good news and news to be interpreted. (laughs) I'll start with the news to be interpreted. Right now... After resting, going through those first ones, you've been in here, and he's kind of just finding a loose piece of notes that he has scrawled on some things on. You've been in here for about uh, like a, like two and a half, maybe two and three quarters hours or so, somewhere, somewhere in there. So still some amount of time, but... Yeah. Okay. So we have about an hour and a half left. Minim- minimum. Yeah, of course. To... to get the other books to figure out a way to get uh, me uh, out preferably mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. would be uh would be good but i have good news i was looking through the catalog here and i realized that two of the books are in the same room so i think i mean i can just pull both cards Give them to you guys, and we should be able to open one doorway and get both, hopefully, quickly. Sounds like a plan. Two for one deal. Nice. I realize now I said quickly, and I'm very worried I've, I've jinxed you. What could possibly go wrong? So I'm going to pretend I didn't say that. While you are gone, I will be trying to figure out ways to undo curses, I guess. <laughs> He fires up his kind of magical Rolodex. You see it spinning once more. And he grabs two cards as it is spinning. Just grabs one, grabs two, and holds them out one after the other to you guys. And you see two of the books on your list, specifically Plane Spotting and Arcane Anthony's Amazing Atlas and Almanac. And he uh, extends his hand out to you guys for someone or a pair of someones to be, as you well know, the official caretakers of each of these. And he kind of looks at you all as he extends his hand and says, well, like we said last time, the library takes who is checking out books pretty seriously. I don't know all of what would happen if you do it again, And maybe you won't have a choice, but I I would encourage you to choose as wisely as you can, especially knowing that we already have at least one curse that has been placed in the last 30 seconds. Feld, like, chuckles under her breath about how worried Titanius is, because, like... 1% 1% of her believes that, that there is a curse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so some nervous energy bubbling up. Yeah, um, he is not a calming presence in this moment. He's no. pretty worried. <laughs> uh, Val does kind of like 
put her hands behind her back because she's trying to read the vibe of the group of like, who yeah. is going to take these? Is Val welcome to take any more books? She always wants more books, but <laughs> that got into trouble before. Kaskrin is definitely going to walk up and take one. And there is a little bit of like a quick glance at Valeska. You know, it might be unconscious, but he, you know, walks up and takes one of these cards before like you can kind of reach and do that yourself. Is Val still standing with her hands behind her back? Yeah, Val's not going to make a move because she thinks she thinks if she goes to grab one of the books that it would it feels like a bad move. It'd be for interpreted her to do. as an but, aggressive yeah, move. Is Valeska like, the imposter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like pretty sus. But no, I mean, I think that's very descriptive of Val's being like, I'm just being overcautious, basically. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything that can possibly be misinterpreted because of how how worried I guess she is, maybe. Or mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. Whatever it is. Yeah, again, she's trying to like, we got to a an uneasy understanding over the short rest so her whole mood and her motives are now how do i keep that uneasy piece and how can i keep showing to the group that i'm not different and then like she starts mentally spiraling a little bit of like well i would grab the book if it was normally me but then like i don't know if checkers will probably feel bad about that and like her eyes start to glow at just the insane back and forth that is yeah. happening in her so, own yeah. mind as anxiety just starts rising in Sel- her. Self has a pretty decent insight. So once he sees for the, noticing glowing eyes, the, the yeah. glowing eyes, yeah, yeah. you uh, probably see her like break a sweat yeah. too. <laughs> so um, Self will place his hand on on Valeska's shoulder and just kind of pat her shoulder and then take the other card. As both of you kind of grab these cards in your own time, you see both of them kind of activate in the way that you've seen them activate before. Maybe in this one, actually, you see on both, they have matching kind of filigree and decorations around the borders. It looks kind of like like a cart... Hmm. Cartographer? Well, I was going to say cartographic image, but that Ah. felt a little pretentious. Uh, It looks kind of like a map. Uh, but is very stylized and it appears on the outside as if there's even the illusion of burnt edges, kind of like it's an old treasure map. And oh, cool. you see all kinds of additional details, like a globe spinning and stacks of books and scrolls and all kinds of, you know, kind of map making feeling details. You see a single doorway with two interactive points, I guess, kind of light up. They're not doorknobs. They're not really holes. They're just kind of additional glowing areas kind of appear in the space behind you guys. I do have to wonder, is there anything that we know about these two books that are the same such that they would be filed away in the same room? Like, we had the historical records for the Pentarchy proclamations. Like, what about these books is similar enough that they would be in the same place? They are both travel books. They are both means or ways in which you could find your way or actively transport yourself. Very cool. true. And actually, another thing that you would know that I would, again, also say is a kind of given because these are rare books, but not not secretive books like the Libra Morte would have been. They're also quite old. Mm-hmm. These are not uh, recent anythings. I mean, of course, they couldn't be too recent, being that they're in the restricted section. Mm-hmm. But they predate Ultra Giants. Some editions date back centuries. The Farmer's Almanac from like 1850. Essentially, yeah. Uh, I would, the, mm-hmm. Sorry, I was, would wonder, though, too, if the Atlas did have different planes as part of it and not just the material plane kind of all atlas. So the interesting the interesting bit about Arcane Anthony's amazing atlas and almanac is that they were created in a high magic time and were enchanted so that to a degree of accuracy and detail they self-updated. Oh. Now whether they are updated now with being kind of squirreled away in the restricted section 
let alone in Agmar, let alone just over hundreds and hundreds of years. It's hard to say, but that is kind of the magical, the oomph that makes arcane, that, that distinguishes an arcane Anthony product from the other dumb atlases <laughs> and or almanacs. I also feel like Arcane Anthony's Amazing Atlas and Almanac is like the, uh, I can't remember the title of the book right now, but it's like, who was the travel author that like every American tourist bought their book to travel to the countries of Europe? Rick Steves. Steves. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is like, this is Rick Steves, Rick Steves, and like. Arcane Anthony definitely had a series of adjacent books uh, of of they, there you could have specific restaurant guides to, yeah. to, to cities that kept up to date of closures of if they were participating in paid fees of courses that could update uh, menus for you. It was called Arcane Anthony's Grubhub. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's was the name, so, the fantasy name. So Nathan. What are you doing? If I heard what are, you correctly. What are you doing? If I heard you correctly, Arcane Anthony's Amazing Atlas and Almanac comes with automatic addendums and additions. God damn it. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. The doors, uh, the door creaks open. Uh, you guys got to go through right now. I do want to imagine like Cascorin and Selv are like, you know, approaching the, uh, the kind of like two slots that are hanging out in midair. We insert the cards, turn them, and I'm imagining instead of like a doorway opening, there's just kind of like a vague shimmer that appears in the air between them. And there's like kind of a clear outline, but there's no doorway that opens. Like it's not obvious what happens until I'm imagining like Selv kind of reaches his hand in there and like almost pushes like something like a curtain away a little bit and it kind of like looks into darkness and then like pushes all the way through as he steps through the curtain into the next room. David, first, I love that description. It is perfect. Second, I like that you said that Steve's character yes, was the one. That goes I'm the taking away first. player agency. Can <laughs> be like, let's have yeah, yeah. You just yeah. got evasion, right? You're yeah, first. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. His high initiative, probably some good stealth. It'll be fine. Yeah, you got like plus one armor. He's gonna be all good. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> let, allow me to continue to take away player agency for just one more moment. Nice. Uh, <laughs> That's how you play D and D, baby. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Kaskarin gives uh, Selv a hearty slap on the shoulder, and uh, Kaskarin uh, backflips through the the door away and it's like it's all good yeah exactly uh but so so you uh somehow feel compelled like uh just maybe through kaskrin's sheer amount of leadership and knowing that kaskrin has your back (laughs) go through and what i would what i need from you right now steve is to is to please for myself and the table and our listening audience reenact what self sounds like when he is, we'll say, suddenly careening down a crevice, but in a way as if, oh, how do I say it? As if a uh... feather fall wouldn't help you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Something sudden happened and Imagine you are you're level one. not necessarily falling, but like taken away in a so like a, ah. so like uh like the floor fell out and I'm sliding down something right or exactly like, or full on falling we'll say yeah that you're you're sliding down something okay because what you all see happen is that Selv courageously spurred on knowing that his party has his back goes to step through the portal and he puts a foot into the the blackness. And you see that his foot just keeps going as if there is no floor. And he just kind of tumbles forward in a way that is unusual for someone of his dexterity and grace as he is just suddenly gone from all of your sight. As you hear... Uh, Here we go. There's a hole! (laughs) (laughs) Very matter of fact. That's why you you send Cell first, because he will give you actionable information. Uh, But you hear hear this, and and he's gone. You hear nothing. Chaskrin goes in next and, like, parts the curtain 
takes a step and you guys just hear, oh, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> Val will quickly follow and uh, push back the curtain, but also then like sit down on her butt and then like kind of <laughs> scoot forward <laughs> and like, Okay. <laughs> just kind of like like she's like kind of baby uh sky like uh, like almost like cannonballing yeah but like right. fetal position <laughs> yes checkers is that kid that does what you're not supposed to do at the water park where he just like <laughs> dives headfirst into the water slide and just with his arms out just wee right through the curtains and you cut to Titania sitting at his desk looking at Mango just shrugs and the frog hops in after yeah. <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyir. Can the gang find Tyir, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength in diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Dark Dice is a critically acclaimed actual play podcast brought to you by Fool and Scholar Productions. With over 20 awards in sound design, Dark Dice brings its horror-themed campaigns to life with snappy combats, terrifying monsters, and tons of original music. Each episode is only 45 minutes long and features an all-star cast of seasoned role players and first-time players alike, including folks you might recognize like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Start with Season 1 and follow the adventurers on their quest to investigate a doppelganger, or jump into Season 2 and listen to a new story about a terrible, corrupting sound that infects all who hear it. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek him? You all are falling through space and perhaps time. All sense of up and down is not lost to you, but instead is constantly shifting in different directions. Your senses take what could be a few moments, what could be a few minutes to understand what is happening to you because there is such a buffering of different colors, temperatures, sensations, and scenery flying past you as you are just windmilling your arms, falling backwards in a direction that you can't possibly try to orient yourselves. Flashes of color hit, flashes of temperature hit, and it takes a while for you to kind of get your collective bearings enough to realize that you're not just kind of being pelted with random feelings. Instead, you are being cut through dioramas of different locations jungle desert you are flying over what appear to be a giant mountain range with a glacier just flying through the sky suddenly you are underwater soaking wet surrounded by horrifying underwater creatures that your brain alone cannot comprehend let alone in this context you catch snapshots of castles of ruins of people dancing around a fire all the while being spun upside down, being pulled in all kinds of different directions by gravity and sensation until smack, 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 smack. <laughs> all five of you, one after the other, find yourselves 
standing still in what appears to be we'll say the opposite of the room you were just in where instead of a white void filled with essentially nothing you are in a black void filled with essentially nothing it is not dark per se you can make each other out totally fine and it is, it is as if you are animated characters on a black background. Val leans over, puts her hands on her knees, and she's like, don't throw up, don't throw up, don't throw up. <laughs> it's okay. <sighs> Pulls out like a ginger too and starts eating. <laughs> that, uh, that was disorienting. Would you like a ginger too? <laughs> that would be fantastic. Guys, that was great. We should do it again. Give me like 10 minutes. <laughs> Mango vomits. Casquin <laughs> is comforting Mango. <laughs> Wait. Hold on. Mortals are here. No, I know. I know. Casquin is going to call out into this black void. Hello? Can you hear us? Holy shit. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, okay. Everyone, places. No, this is not a, no, this is not a dress rehearsal. Okay, okay, everyone, again, have it queued up, have it ready. Are we good? Okay, 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 okay. No! In a world so vast that it could never be explored in a hundred, hundred lifetimes, one show will explore it all through the power of books. And then just... It is as if the, a light switch to existence is flipped on. You are suddenly in a giant arena. What? <laughs> a huge cry is let up as all around you, you see stands filled with probably people that are various, you know, kind of mortal sizes that let up just this big cheer you find yourselves all standing together again you have not moved as far as you could physically tell but you are standing on a platform that is in the middle of a huge again to to put it in our human terms this is several football fields and as you're taking in all this information you see that in the middle of this giant field you can maybe see in the distance there are a couple other maybe like groups situated scores of yards away from you. And in the middle is this kind of high-walled dome where you have a path leading from wherever you're standing straight into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Great Library Games! Games! Wait, hold on. That's what we're going with? No, it's fine. No, we'll we'll edit it later. No, yeah, let's go. Let's go. All right, all right. Take it back. That's right. Welcome to the Great Library Games, the show where we explore every corner of Rixia using adventure and acumen. I am your host. And then suddenly, appearing above the giant dome, you see a floating head spinning around in a circle like it's a just a giant several story high hologram does this head look familiar does it look like Sir <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that idea yes it looks familiar no it's not Serval Rontado none of uh, but you're not 100% sure you don't know where it is like who is that person mm-hmm. they look familiar and I don't I'm not 100% sure that's right, it's me, your host, the library, all monistic retrieval entity, a.k.a. your host with the most, Larry Steves. And the crowd just, ah! like an animalistic <laughs> yell, excitedly. Oh, no. uh, I would like both Sophie, uh, excuse me, both, Val, well, uh, Sophie, I yeah. guess, is the one rolling the dice. But I would like Val and Kaskarin, actually. I think you two would both have the most likely most likely exposure to this information. And since you both asked it, uh, roll me just roll me a d20. 
Jaskrin with a natural 20. Nice. Oh. That was a five. You know exactly who this is, Jaskrin. Hell yeah. Because who this is, who this, well, not, not who this is, who this face is, I guess, but it can't, it can't be. This is Larry Steves, a name that you haven't heard before, but you have seen that face somewhere. No, you've seen that face like a lot of places. You're trying to think about it as you're taking all this information in. You can't take your eyes away from this. Well, for a lot of reasons, you can't take away your eyes from this giant floating head screaming things. And then it clicks. You have seen this face on dozens of books in your local library. Specifically, maybe when you were researching maybe Agmar, maybe learning more about some of the other places they might be visiting. This is definitely the face of Trip Steves, acclaimed travel writer <laughs> who is very famous for his kind of city by city breakdowns, tells people all the cool places to go, uh, all that kind of stuff, and is definitely separate from Rick Steves, <laughs> who we mentioned earlier in the episode. <laughs> but this is Larry Steves. Do you react to that? It's reasonable if you don't. Ooh, I. And I, I guess what's your personal connection? Yeah, I feel like Casper doesn't know who he is. Well, again, you could just know, like, you'd be like, I know that yeah, face. Yeah, it's the I've travel seen, guy. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah, seen yeah. that face. Ooh, that's a good question, actually. Especially, again, uh, maybe you don't have a connection to it. You're just like, that's that. It'd be the same as being like, I don't know, it's the fucking... Uh, I, I can't decide if, like, Catherine either doesn't know him or, like, it's way into trip thieves. And it's right. Like, yeah. It I, could just be, I don't know, it's like that fucking Bobby Flay guy. I don't know, he, like, barbecues and is like, I don't know, he's a food guy, whatever. Or it could be like, oh, no, I always <laughs> read trip thieves wherever I go and sometimes want to just for fun. If it's possible, maybe because Lotros is such an old city... There was a Trip Steve's Low Trust book that was still handed out by the city guard for like people who came in. <laughs> and so Casper was just responsible like for handing out a book with this man's face on it. Yeah, like, I'm, not I'm a picture that. of Low Trust, but just a picture of Trip Steve's. I'm I'm gonna say, I'll go even further. We are accidentally, through David's player choices <laughs> and dice rolls, creating Low Trust as a strange hub of literature. Because not only is Trip Steve's, again, you can decide on the handed out bit, Trip Steve's is from Lotros. Or like maybe he spent some time there or whatever. You know, he's a worldly person. Mm -hmm, he doesn't stay mm -hmm, in one place for too long. Mm -hmm. And by he, I mean him and his subsequent 40 generations of Trip Steve's writers. I'm going to say that to Kaskarin, Trip Steve's is a celebrity. Like he had some of his, you know, all of his like travel books because like, God, what an incredible human to, like, have traveled to all these different locations yeah. that, like, Kaskarin's never been to and, like, disperse that information to the public. Like, look at these mountains, look at these oceans, like, these incredible locales. Yeah. And just sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say that Trip Steve's books have been out for a while. Maybe they don't even aren't made fresh anymore. Uh, maybe they are. I don't know. But they were definitely big, like... 60, 80, 100 years ago. Then again, maybe continued, but that was when they were really kind of in their heyday. Mm -hmm. You know, before the Ultra Giants came and yeah. messed everything up. Like, I feel that because travel is so hard in our time right now, the thought of somebody going to all these places like across Rixia is just so foreign to Cass. And then Cass having experienced travel, it's even worse now. <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, how did this man do this? Well, like, I imagine, too, these books became, like... Well, the, the, as soon as the Ultra Giants came and everything kind of, things got destroyed and people couldn't travel as much, those books might have become more popular. Yeah, because, exactly. Because that was, you know... The connection to the outside it, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just like, you know, look at, like, this piece of, like, nostalgia, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just like what the world used to be. So yeah, I'm going to say like Kaskrin handed out these books with joy, and, uh, <laughs> just sharing the, the knowledge and the wisdom of Trip Steves. Do you have a, a visible or audible reaction to realizing, holy shit. Oh yeah, there is a, <gasps> and Kaskrin is immediately like way into this. <laughs> like yep. he, yeah. as soon as Trip Steves is like, I'm sorry, as soon as Larry Steves Thank is you. introducing the show, 
Taskrin is like one hand like waving to the crowd. Like, like pageant waving. Yeah, yeah. Pageant, like enthusiastically just like, hey, we're here. <laughs> we did it. We made it. I always imagine uh, Salve is more of a lonely Rixia guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the voiceover continues, uh, certainly without paying particular attention to Kasker and suddenly become very enthusiastic about what's going on around him. That's right, everyone. For the next 23 minutes, not including commercial breaks, we will be joined, as we are <laughs> every week, by a number of impressive teams from across Rixia who will be competing against one another and maybe themselves to earn fabulous prizes and entertain our very real studio audience. Ah, more screams, more screams. Let's get to know our contestants. Now, as you all know, watching from home, no mortal being has been inside of this room for, well, longer than I've had consciousness, but for the first time, our loyal and enthusiastic viewers will get to enjoy our first team of mortals. And as soon as the word mortals is uttered, out of nowhere, a spotlight just zooms in on the group of you guys. Please introduce yourselves. Hey, Larry, I'm Kaskrin Brightmane of the Golden Tree. And boy, am I excited to be here. <laughs> you love to hear it. Hi, Larry. I'm Valeska. I'm also incredibly excited and nervous for this next 23 minutes, but we as the Golden Tree are sure to triumph. Well, it's your it's your big debut, of course. I mean, who wouldn't be nervous? But I assure you, you're going to have a great time. Hi, I'm Checkers. Who are all these people and why are they looking at us? They're your adoring fans. And again, it's... This yelling is maybe not not appropriate for the setting. This is like barbaric screams of like you're in a blood sport sounding, but like mixed with like some like yay woo. It's like just the setting. The, the like dials the, aren't quite right. Like the front row is like programmed as appropriate sporting event audience, and then like all the rest of the rows were just like filler, and they found whatever audio of cheers they could maybe <laughs> i because that is not that's not information your characters would know i can't mm. confirm or deny that but okay, that's show. the vibe <laughs> you mean everyone here knows who i am not yet well they will <laughs> well you will hi everyone i'm checkers the grung Druid. hello larry i'm self and i'm still a bit confused big cheer from the audience ah! and then they like the cheers kind of like die down a little bit and there's just kind of a long awkward pause and the announcer <clears throat> the head stops floating and kind of turns and stares at you all and just kind of gestures with its eyebrows <clears throat> are, are we supposed to go down the path no no we ha we have five members guys uh so actually actually so selv Totally uncharacteristic, but this is what's going to happen. <laughs> so, Selv will actually move behind Mango and like prop Mango up just a little bit and just say, Hi, Larry. Hi, Mango. Like Wicked at Bernie's Goober Selves make, makes a return. <laughs> and then again, a final like, Mango! Excellent. Well, we have our members of the golden tree and then there's a popping sensation you all look around at each other and you realize all of you are now wearing different outfits nice oh my different matching you are wearing different outfits than you were but you are wearing exactly the same outfit <laughs> as one another and this includes mango by the way <laughs> yes yeah uh, you all are outfitted in yeah, you know what? I'm going to make the Rixian canon choice to say that all of the next bits of clothing are canon <laughs> in the world as pre-existing. You are all wearing graphic tees <laughs> that are kind of a forest green and on them a big logo of a leaf that is golden. It looks passably maybe like... Your, you know, if you squint, it maybe kind of looks like your guild badge logo, mm -hmm. but it's mostly, it's like, it's just a leaf. Like maybe it's a maple leaf kind of thing. <laughs> 
You are also all outfitted with cargo shorts, nice. uh, each of you, that feel very heavy, as if, I don't know, maybe it includes all of your equipment in, in the cargo <laughs> pants, and are all wearing helmets, gloves, elbow pads, and knee pads, as well as a sensible pair of athletic shoes. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I have to ask a clarifying question. Yes. Are they gloves or are they fingerless Oh, gloves? yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. They are fingerless action gloves. And all of you are just now immediately wearing these outfits and all have a name, giant name tag with whatever you said, which includes Checkers the Grung Druid. Yeah. <laughs> and has Kaskrin, the Dwarven Warlock, spelled out in a very, like, they didn't change the font. They changed the dimensions of the name tag. <laughs> so it's just this big, like, square on your chest. You can't really see the leaf. It's just a square. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, now that we've gotten our introductions out of the way and gotten to know a little bit about our teams here, let's jump right in to our first game. And again, just huge cheers yeah. start going That's right, everyone. It is time for the Brains or Brawn Obstacle Course. And just people start chanting... Brains or brawn, brains or brawn, and just it like goes to this very loud, just like almost shamanistic chant filling this huge <laughs> arena until it abruptly is cut off along with the background music. I feel like Val shrinks a little bit of like they are very obviously cheering for brawn right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think Casquin is actually flexing as like, everything is happening, getting really. carried away. His devotion for St. Thixius is starting to take over, yes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I was calm when we went through the door. I am not as calm now. <laughs> <laughs> now, for those who haven't played before, the obstacle course is simple. There is a, well, an array of obstacles in the path of our various contestants. They need to compete either individually or as a team to get through them as quickly as possible. Now, of course... Getting through faster is always better, but you will be graded as a team. So you are held back by your slowest member. Most of the events, of course, can be handled through, uh, through brute force, through incredible feats of strength and dexterity, or through the careful recollection and application of mathematical, historical, occult, or other knowledge. And then just big, just like, ah, oh, knowledge! And, and Self just kind of looks at Val. Val is very clearly not making eye contact with anyone because she's like, nope, this is an obstacle course. This is bringing back, like... Gym class vibes? Gym, gym <laughs> class vibes with, like, presidential award day gym class vibes. <laughs> yep. Kaskrin is pumped. Kaskrin <laughs> is like so ready because yeah. this is exactly like the guard training. I'm just like, oh yeah, obstacle course. Of course I can do this. Yeah, totally. Now, of course, we know that these aren't just normal contestants. Some of them are magical or have uh, interesting items to aid their way through the course. But be warned, our studio audience here doesn't just want to see success. They want to be entertained. And as this big cheer of wanting to be entertained goes out, you see underneath the floating head pops a uh, like a yeah a chiro meter basically <laughs> that is way over to the right hand side, just quaking with enthusiasm. Any questions? I feel like Cass is up front, like cracking every yeah, bone like and stretching his hamstrings yeah. and like getting ready i'm also realizing that i have eight dexterity i have a negative one modifier so yep. like i'm actually gonna be really bad at it's all guys. strength all strength based you can always yeah just barrel your way through things no jumping over it straight through when does the 23 minutes start you guys hear a a loud chiming and between each of them you hear the voice of Larry Steves call out, Well, in that case, on your mark, get set, book it. And then just, <laughs> just a chime as the crowd just like laughs, cheers, and just goes insane. And you see on the far side of your platform connecting to the dome, you see a little green light turn on <laughs> and a doorway 
open up. And you see from all around you, you can't even really make out details. This place is so big and the other contestants are so far away. You see the other groups start to charge in immediately as the as the alarm goes off. Golden Tree Adventuring Guild. We have never had a mission as important as this one. <laughs> let's do it! Obstacle course. Let's go, let's go! Charge! As the Golden Tree Guild thunders their way down this platform and are joined by all the other kind of shadowy contestants and huge peals of laughter and cheering and just kind of mob noises fill the air and kind of reverberate inside of your body. You hear just as you're about to step in to the dome. You hear Larry Steve's voice call out a final time. That is, we'll see what happens after this commercial break. And we'll also see you all next week on Reckless Attack. Bye! Would you, uh, as I turn to David so that everybody uh, knows yes. what I'm doing here, um, would you, because uh, you didn't specify which one you were taking, would you like to roll randomly or is there one that you actually really wanted to take over the other one? Uh, I will take plain spotting. Okay. Interesting. Not what I thought you would take. Well, interesting, because interesting. I picked randomly. <laughs> okay. I rolled the dice which, in, which my was in my brain. Which was funny because I was thinking I was going to have Self be like, well, I always wanted to know about plane spotting and, oh, alas, the almond. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, well, a- 